Hello, listeners. My name is Elizabeth Duar, and I'm the executive director of the Benicia Historical Museum at the Camel Barns, continuing our COVID quarantine camel cast, providing a camel's eye view of Benicia's unique history. As you may know, Dean Putong is back at Yale University, but we continue our camel cast with Alan Gandy to explore today's topic and the subject of an excellent research document Alan has written, the Sandstone Powder Magazine. Benicia's Little Known Gem. Alan is a 43-year resident of Benicia. He is a museum docent and works as a volunteer in our archives department. And he's been researching one of the lesser-known buildings that houses a portion of the Benicia Historical Museum. And Alan, you're going to tell us today about Powder Magazine, Army Building Number 10. But first, you're going to tell us a bit more about yourself. Thanks for having me here on the podcast. As Elizabeth mentioned, I've been living in Benicia 43 years, and I first saw Benicia in 1974. Uh, I graduated as a metallurgist back then, and I had a business trip to the Exxon Finery to look at one of our products. So I came here with a colleague, and we drove past the Welcome to Historic Benicia sign on the freeway. And I went, wow, I like history. This ought to be good. And partly through the visit to the refinery, we um, had a problem and we needed to find a machinist for one of the valve parts. So we drove down Camel Road and I saw the Camel Barn Museum for the first time. And I went, wow, this is absolutely fabulous. <laughs> Fast forward two years later, I moved to Benicia. And in 1976, uh, when I first moved here, I used to explore the Army Arsenal grounds on my motorcycle. And I came across this building back called the Powder Magazine. It had a sign in front of it said the cost was $35,000 and it was used to house gunpowder and it had beautiful arched ceilings. I couldn't see inside, but I was very curious about this building and it wouldn't be for another 15 years later that I would actually have a chance to see the insides. That is quite the story and quite the journey in terms of your introduction to the city. And we're certainly delighted that you happened upon the museum and that you have been volunteering your time and talents here. And we want you to tell us a bit more about the powder magazine. It was built in 1857. We know it was to safely house black gunpowder. Who built the powder magazine? Well, the powder magazine was built by a man named Caleb Strong Merrill. He was hired by the Army to be the master mason in construction of this structure and several other structures, including the clock tower. And was Caleb a native Californian, or where did he hail from? Caleb was born in September 1806 in Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. His father was a stonemason, and he followed in the same footsteps doing jobs around Shelburne area. In 1830, at the age of 24, he traveled to California on a Boston Hydrotter. Now, that's a small sailing ship used to uh, trade uh, up and down the coast hauling uh, cowhides. For the next three years, he worked as a stonecutter repairing several missions in uh, California before returning to Massachusetts in 1834. He then married and had a son and moved to Monmouth, Illinois. Later, Caleb came to California in 1852 with his son, Caleb Jr., with a large party of an oxen team traveling across the plains. 
He had a hard trip on this journey, and most of the oxen died. And after crossing the Rockies, most of them had to make it on foot the rest of the way to California. Oh, that's an incredible story. After arriving, he was hired by the Army with uh, his construction partner, Peter Lassner, to build the Benicia Barracks. Later, he signed a contract with Brevet Captain Charles Pomeroy Stone to build the first Stone magazine in 1855. And did he not build a number of other structures? Yes, he did. He uh, built the old St. Mary's Cathedral in San Francisco in 1854. He built Powder Magazine Building 10 at the Benicia Arsenal in 1857, and the Clock Tower in Benicia Arsenal in 1859. Besides Caleb, there certainly must have been a number of other skilled laborers. I can't imagine that a project of this magnitude wouldn't require skilled workers from a variety of places doing a variety of things. There were a total of 90 different men who had a hand in building the magazine. They had jobs such as working in the quarry, cutting stones, dimensioning stones, doing dressing of them, laying the stones, and building the arched stone ceiling and slate roof. Caleb was the master mason overseeing the construction of the building. By nationality, 50% of the magazine workers were Irish, 12% were American, 5.5% were British, 4.5% were Scottish, 4% were Canadian, 2% were German, and 1% each Swedish, Welsh, and French. Well, now that is interesting, because if memory serves, I think I read or have been told that most of the stone workers were from Italy or France or Germany, where, of course... They built fantastic stone structures and did a lot of sculpture work. So that is, um, that's an interesting new piece of information. The Army kept a detailed log of all these workers, so it is clear uh, who worked on it, what hours they put in per month, and how much they were paid. From the outside, Building 10 looks like just a very plain old stone building. But we know that it contains a fabulous interior and a number of extremely interesting features. What makes this building so special? The first thing that makes it special, it was built from local sandstone uh, from a quarry about 800 feet away. The sandstone foundation and walls are four feet thick. It uh, was constructed with an airspace below the floor and utilized vents to keep it dry. They had an Ashler-style masonry, meaning that no cement or bonding materials were used, and the stones were cut precisely to fit together. Well, that's interesting because it sounds rather like an Egyptian pyramid because that's the way they were built. The magazine was designed to direct any internal explosion upward, minimizing lateral damage, and that's the reason that it's located isolated kind of away from any larger structures like the camel barns. Yeah, that's right. In fact, you can't actually see the powder magazine from the rest of the buildings that are in this particular museum complex. It's Benicia's hidden little gem. That's right. Decorative sandstone blocks called coins were placed at the entrance and the corners, giving the building a really decorative look. A sandstone eagle and cannon were carved over the entrance with the date of 1857. The interior has beautiful arch ceilings, 9 feet 4 inches at the highest point. Those are, of course, my favorite feature. I mean, they are quite stunning. And when you're inside that building... If you squint your eyes, you can actually imagine that you're in a Roman temple. Or a Greek temple, because the carving is so beautiful. There are six center pillars that have decorated carved capitals. 
The bolts and the roof nails were made of a copper alloy by the Arsenal blacksmith. They used copper since sparks were not produced by copper. No, I didn't know that. That is interesting. Did you know that as a metallurgist, you must have known that yes. before? Yes, it's one of the main things a metallurgist learns. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so how long did the construction of the powder magazine take? The construction time was about 14 months. Uh, the groundwork in the quarry to remove and cut stone started in January and February. It was rainy at this time, and they only had about five workers each month working on the, the quarry. In March, the rain stopped and the stones were slowly quarried individually, one by one, cut, dressed, polished, carried to the site up until August when the uh, installation of the arch ceiling began. Now tell us a bit more, if you can, about the motif that's carved above the entrance. That is the eagle and cannon sculpture. And of course it says, erected A.D. 1857. This is a beautiful sculpture of an eagle perched on a cannon that was carved from a single stone. It was placed over the magazine entrance as an integral part of the building. It is unknown who carved this structure. Local tradition credits a French mason named John Gomo, but Gomo was living in New York with a family in 1857. Gomo moved with his family to Benicia in March of 1859, one and a half years after the powder magazine was completed. This motif was probably sculpted by Caleb Merrill or one of the other five stonemasons. Well, then I guess that puts that urban myth of uh, Mr. Gomo as the sculpture in its proper place. Now, the arch ceiling of the powder magazine, as we said, it looks like a Roman temple. Tell us a bit more about that. Yes, it's, it's a very incredible structure. It consists of one large room, divided by a row of six columns. So it has a total of 14 keystone high points in the magazine. All the stones intersect and form this beautiful pattern that's just marvelous to see. Around the pillar, they have carved stylized seashells that are highly decorative. Yeah, I do love those, and everybody else does also who visits the powder magazine. But of course, those arches were designed not just to look good, they were designed to direct any internal explosion upwards so that there would be minimal lateral damage. Yes, the vaulted ceiling was practical as well as aesthetic. It was designed to divert the effects of any explosion upward rather than sideways, thus minimizing damage. Actually, the design was created in 1828 by a arsenal in New York, Watervet Arsenal. They gave the design to the Benicia Arsenal for the construction of magazines 2 and 10. That's interesting. I did not know that. Any chance we can get a hold of those documents, Alan? I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. Well, today... The powder magazine is used as a display area for military artifacts from the Benicia Arsenal. At the present time, the powder magazine is open to visitors by appointment only or for a scheduled tour, and that is only as and when COVID-19 mandates have been listed. Unfortunately, we're all stuck in a, a Groundhog Day scenario, as everyone knows. But for our interested listeners, once the COVID-19 mandates have been listed and people are able to enter the museum grounds again, we'd be delighted to schedule a visit. 
Looks like we're out of time today, but thanks for listening. Big thanks to Alan Gandy for his original research and for all of the fine work he's done. Thank you very much. And the images can be seen if you go to the Venetia Historical Museum website under archives and do a search, a keyword search, and use the terms magazine and interior. You'll be able to see the beautiful columns of the magazine. Excellent. I hope our visitors know that we have over 20,000 images available in our online archives. You can check, as Alan says, you can check the museum website archives online at www.beniciahistoricalmuseum.org for podcasts, the images, and narratives. And please be sure to visit the museum when we reopen, which is going to be very soon. Please look at our website for that scheduled date. If you wish, you may also donate online and be sure to like us on Facebook. And remember, the history of California is written in the story of Benicia. Thanks once again to Alan. Thanks to our listeners. We'll be talking to you again soon.